Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 45 of Pounding the Table. It is Fang Week, so strap on your seatbelts because things are about to go down. As always, we got to kick things off with Pounding the Stock Twits. Each week, they share their trending stocks for the week. And one of the best places to also talk crypto stocks each week. This week, obviously, some massive news. Tony, I'll have you get into them. But with the quick rundown, Facebook with the rebranding of their company name, Bitcoin ETF. Bitcoin's also at its all-time high. DWAC, Trump does not go away. We saw an insane run with their fake social media play, potentially what's going on there. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Tesla with their earnings beat close to their all-time high. Netflix had a mixed reactions, of course, in earnings. And then Snap with the absolute massive dump there. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to definitely talk about Tesla here for a second. Like their margins just keep improving every quarter. And Elon is just a beast. I mean, they're rolling out so many factories. They're doing so many deliveries that I, I just think that like everything that we thought about it, that it's going to be making a million cars a year is going to happen like a lot quicker than we all assume, right? Like it's it's happening now. So like it's going to be happening in the next 12 months, maybe 5 million in a couple of years. And so you're just going to see like all the new things come out of Tesla that are going to really just improve those margins. Because I think cars, probably one of the like lowest margin things to be doing, but knowing that they're going to start doing everything else that they've just like got down the pipeline, I think that they're going to just start being like a higher margin beast in the future and like pivot a little bit more to like software and stuff and, and more into that like specific, just niche tech focus, like NVIDIA, honestly, gives me those vibes. I think that Bitcoin ETF is really interesting because like, that's real institutional money pouring into Bitcoin. Just another, I mean, that's why it's at all time highs, right? People bought it for the ETF. So it's like those things are just working in tandem. When things go mainstream, they explode. I think Facebook rebranding is probably a good thing, but like, I don't think we're ever going to like change how we see Facebook. And I think Facebook's like one of those, like so close to being canceled companies because of Zuck, but it's really, it's still around obviously. And like they own WhatsApp and I use it every day and Instagram and we use it all the time. And Facebook, it's like older people use it all the time. But that's really just like, I guess, you know, the new paradigm shift Like we're moving more towards things like TikTok, which people spend way more time on every day and social media is driven by youth. So I think these are all like obviously really good things to touch on. It's just like the paradigm shift that we're having in the future. DWAG was nuts, man. I completely missed that. Yeah, the Trump pump. Smacking my forehead again uh, for missing that one. Like I literally saw it at like 14 and that just... I was just like, there's no way. That was 10 pre-market, right? And we still knew about it, but I thought it could go either direction. Just absolutely get crushed or or ripped. Yeah, I was like waiting to buy some puts on it when it was like 25 and stuff. And I was just like, uh, like there weren't any puts. So I was just like, okay, like, let me, I don't know what to do here. (laughs) I just like stayed out because I was like, it's already up 200%. Yeah, it was interesting too, because the... uh, it got stopped out, right? So it, it got uh, halted, but the warrants did not stop because you can't stop the warrants. And so those things just kept flying. And it was, it was I just remember watching it every two seconds. It was just like up another 100%. So that was, that was a ridiculous. We got Riley in the booth today. He nailed two stocks last week. So figured he earned the right to pound a little bit. Riley, you nailed WeWork. You told me to buy that on the IPO. Portillo's as a Chicago boy. So quickly touch on that. I know we're going to get into WeWork next week, but Talk to us a little bit about why you liked WeWork high level and then Portillo's just touch on quickly as well. Yeah. Oh, thanks for having me on. So, you know, it was a pretty volatile week and I think uh, WeWork had a nice run. It went to like 1490. Someone was like a 50% move on that. And I mean, I think that people hate it so much that you almost have to love it. You know, 
their numbers that they're projecting, yeah, they're not doing, you know, too well right now, but, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic and, you know, the gig economy is going to come out of nowhere, I think in the next three or four years, and it's just going to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so they're all going to gravitate towards these where we work, you know, uh, buildings. And so they're going to continue to get the memberships. And if they do hit their projections, they're looking at, you know, 10 to 15 billion by the end of the decade in annual revenue, potentially up to 30 billion. The one thing I wanted just to add real quick on WeWork. So I was living in New York and I went into one last week and it was absolutely slammed to the brim. Right. And so, you know, I come from a tech background. I've had a lot of friends that are in tech as well. And they're all moving into WeWorks, right? They're minimizing their office space. And, you know, maybe a handful of people want to come into the office. And a lot of these companies are now starting to downsize where WeWork's valuation way back when, when they initially were going to IPO was massive, right? But now you're going to- It was 47 billion. It was crazy. We'll dig into this a lot more next week because I know there's still heavy costs associated and expenses that they're dealing with. But I don't know, in a real life example, <laughs> that thing was packed to the brim like COVID never existed. So yeah, touch on, touch on Portillo's eye. Yeah. So, I mean, just really quickly on Portillo's, I mean, for those of you who don't know, it's more of a Chicago brand, but they are looking to scale pretty quickly all over the country. But, you know, they're a fast food place where you go there, you know, three or four times a week and you're going to be able to get, you know, a hot dog. You're going to be able to get a burger. You're going to be able to get a beef sandwich. You get pasta, you get ribs whatever it is, you get a salad, you know, the, the women will love it because, you know, you get a chopped salad three times a week and, you know, you don't feel like you're actually eating fast food. It's kind of like a sweet green, you know, where you kind of have those healthy options. And so the big numbers that I look towards is the fact that they make double per restaurant compared to Chipotle or uh, Shake Shack, whatever it is, all the other competitors, they make double per restaurant because they're able to, you know, get the, get the customers in and they have the space to be able to have a lot more people in it. So, you know, it's really cool to see how, you know, they're going public, they're going to raise, uh, you know, 400, 500 million dollars, and they're going to be able to use that money to scale very quickly. They have drive through only restaurants that they're building now that are going to be able to be the size of, you know, McDonald's or Wendy's. So, you know, that's able to allow for them to scale very, very rapidly and potentially, you know, all over the all over the world, not just in the U.S. So, you know, they have a lot of things going for them. I believe they did 450 million in revenue last year in a COVID year. So, you know, they're, they're definitely taken up and I believe it was still a 20% uh, revenue growth. And so this next year, as they scale up, you know, they could really start to tick back up and their margins are fairly high compared to a lot of the companies that, you know, are, you know, actually in the restaurant industry. So, you know, they do have high margins and they do make a lot of revenue. And so I think you saw that they, you know, they had the, the impulsiveness this week on IPO. They went, they had an offering price of $20 and they touched, I believe, 45. So, you know, over a hundred percent gain from that offering price. And it didn't even seem like there was that much selling. So I think that there could be still some more upside to it. But, you know, it's one of those companies that I think everyone should kind of look into. I know that no one really likes to invest in the food industry, but, you know, certain things like Portillo's, you know, it's a once in, you know, maybe yeah. five years opportunity in that space. Yeah. Cause I, you know, I was talking to you about this and, and sure you won that one <laughs> because I was like, you know, Chipotle is something people may go a few times a week too. You know, Starbucks has done well cause that's a daily activity. Domino's is just an absolute, I think one of the better performing stocks of all time. Right. So you do have some big winners in that QSR space and Portillo's to me, I guess I thought of it as like this niche Chicago restaurant, but you told me that they're mm-hmm. expanding beyond Chicago as well. Right. Yeah, so they're already in nine states and they're definitely expanding outside of that. And the thing to note is, so they make $9 million per restaurant revenue-wise in the Chicago locations and they make $7 million in all the other locations outside of the Chicago area. So there is a drop-off, 
but at the same time, they're still making double what, you know, Chipotle would. That's like, even if they're in Indiana or they're in Minnesota, whatever it is. So they still do have very, very good numbers outside of the Chicago area. So it kind of just shows that they're not just a Chicago brand. Mm-hmm. And are they franchised or is it all corporate? The, so far it's just corporate, but I believe when I was reading into them that they will look towards franchising it. And so it really, it started out in 1940 something, 50 something. And uh, the guy who started it was called Dick Portillo. And so he ran it up until I believe 2010, 2011. And then he sold out for a billion dollars to a corporation, some private equity company, whatever it was. And then, you know, they, they started to grow it even faster than what he was. They were able to use the money that they have to grow it faster. And yeah, the quality is not what it was before, but at the same time, everyone still loves it. Mm -hmm. As much as the drop-off happened, everyone still loves, you know, Portillo's and they're still going to go to it because of the food that they have and the options that they have. Yeah. And I like what you're saying about the the drive-through only It does seem like they're starting to integrate a little more technology or or modern day approach to that, knowing that, you know, who knows if there's another pandemic coming along or or what may happen. People and people just prefer that. Right. People just want to get it on the go too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Good point. Let's switch gears back to Pinterest, Tony. So recently there was news about PayPal acquiring them, right? So with this acquisition, you know, that's massive. They're showing me that they want to potentially get into e-commerce, right? And I could see a world in which they are starting to launch, you know, almost like a, a fight against Shopify, right? If they have the payments already set up, who knows? Maybe they get into, you know, setting up websites for brands where that that payment processing is already set up for them. But, you know, I know you wanted to touch on this a little bit. And, and I had a big question. Obviously, we've talked on Etsy quite a bit, you know, synonymous as we talk about Pinterest. You know, what does this mean potentially for Etsy? And and overall, what do you think that means for the space? Yeah, I mean, definitely this is just a continuation of that trend we've been talking about. Like this is the year of consolidation because these companies have ran so much next year that now we're seeing consolidation in terms of like, okay, well, they're figuring out where they've come and where they can go and how they'll work together in the future because basically shit moved so fast last year that people were just trying to keep up and innovate and get that growth in e-commerce and that growth in payment processing and like expand their modes and expand their user base. But now these companies are like, well, you know, Pinterest gets all this, all this user, like, you know, uh, Etsy gets all these users, Pinterest and Etsy share a lot of the same users and sales and stuff. So I think that, you know, PayPal is making the move that we always talk about where a company just ends up being a brand. Mm -hmm. So like, there's nothing different about any of these companies. Like Apple is Facebook is Google is whatever. They're like all the same. It's just because you trust in them and they have a brand, they have a suite of offerings. It's all about the users, right? So PayPal onboarding Pinterest, right? That's a bunch of users and that's just going to be easier in the ecosystem, right? Like it's a, it's going to be a one-click pay, like PayPal thing within uh, Pinterest. But then thinking like further that I always thought that Etsy and Pinterest should merge just because I think it's like 40% crossover users and sales come from one, uh, one to the other. So if you think that PayPal is like being, you know, strategic and willing to pay 70 a share for Pinterest, which is like, actually, I don't think that's a bad deal because they'll make so much money with synergies right away that they're probably going to look at Etsy too. Because if you think like Square has that suite of services, right? They have like payment services, they have hardware, software, and they also, you can, you know, do your taxes. You can do your, you know, like you can do a company schedule. You can do uh, websites from Square, right? So, and you could do the same with Shopify and then you can do the same with Google and like, which is next. So it's like PayPal is like, let's do all these things now. And so these companies that get big enough, they just like hire a suite of services. Like if you look at Google, it's not just the search engine. There's like 30 companies under Alphabet. And so Facebook, the same thing. So these companies that get to that 200, 300, $400 billion range and just continue to grow, 
are all just going to be making the same move to try to stay forever, right? Because like, let's say you have like five or six different legs. It's better and safer than having just one big leg because if that leg gets knocked over, you can't stand versus if you have six legs, you're just going to be like Mr. Miyagi just standing on one foot and doing the crane. All right, Riley, we brought you in. You earned the right to pound the table. We're bringing back an old name from, I first heard about this at the IPO from Joey Salitro. So the OG of FinTwit, but Marketa. So not to be confused with Marketo, which is a email service. What is Marketa? Yeah. So, I mean, kind of just digging into it right away. I mean, Marketa has been around for over a decade. FinTech started uh, in 2010 by Jason Gardner, who's the sole founder of Marketa. And for people like Dom, you know, the, the ones who like the Glassdoor ratings, he's very, very good. So he's a 96% approval rate, 88% recommend to a friend. And, uh, and Marketa alone has 4.5 stars, which is fairly good. Now getting into what is Marketa. So it's a cloud-based open AI platform that delivers card issuing and transaction processing services. And so this is basically just tailored towards the developers, uh, technical product managers, and you know, visionary entrepreneurs at these innovative companies that you know we'll, we'll mention later on. But you know, it's a $14 billion company, so it's not very small. I don't know if we could kind of classify it as a mini monster, but you know, so they did uh, $290 million in revenue in 2020, which was 100% revenue growth. So they had 41% margins, which is not bad. And the net revenue retention rate was over 200%, which is phenomenal. That's good. And, yeah. And uh, so they reap for folks that don't know. I can help you out too if you don't. <laughs> uh, Tony, Tony, you could probably net, net revenue that, retention. So it's essentially saying that the companies that they work with today, right? The amount of people that are churning, so leaving their platform is going to be lower than the rate in which they're actually growing base. So they're basically just, they're gaining a lot of customers. They don't need that's, to that's, grow. That's, like if they didn't bring yeah. out a new customer at all, they'd be growing at 200% essentially. That's what it's, that's it's an organic. The current, customers growth, basically. Making, the, cur- the current customers are paying more. Like right. Yeah. So they're, they're making um, more essentially from their current customer base in terms of like cross selling and, and upsells than they are losing. So they don't need to yeah. necessarily bring on new customers. It's the same type of thing with like Box back in the day. They had like an insane net retention. Yeah. And so they, they have a reach of over 36 countries and I'll get into the new hire that they have, which I mean, essentially he used to work for AWS at Amazon. And so they, he did the Middle East, he did Europe, all this stuff. And so he's familiar with the expansion over into different countries. And so they just brought him on in this past quarter. And so they're going to be able to increase the, the reach on the countries that they already have. Also, they have issued over 320 million cards, which is phenomenal. I and mean, that's huge. It's a huge amount. And so they had uh, 60 billion in transaction volume in 2020, up from 21 billion in 2019. Um, and so just for those of you who are not too familiar with Marketa, so Marketa was the first company to offer a platform for modern card issuing and transaction processing, while being first to market with multiple issuing and processing innovations, including the first open APIs. GIT funding and tokenization as a service. And so just digging into these three uh, categories here. So API is the ability for customers to manage software applications hosted on MQ servers. GIT funding, also known as just-in-time funding, automatically funds an account in real time during the transaction process. And tokenization, this allows merchants to delegate sensitive financial info and disguise the info into a more secure token, meaning no data leaks, which is very, very important in you know today's so I had a quick question on that. So just like slowing this down a bit, right? So you mentioned that they're a card issuing. So is that like actually like the, a credit card or something that, you know, 320 million cards have been issued. So is that 
in people's wallets today then? So they basically have three different types of cards. So they issue a physical, a virtual, and a tokenized card. And so this is all into that 320 million cards. So it can be basically anything that a company would want in a card, they offer. Gotcha. Okay. Tokenized. Yeah, said- I was going to say, Tony's just, he, he poked his head up real quick when he started talking <laughs> about tokenized. That's, that's in that crypto world for him. So are they in crypto then as well? Or, or what? Like, how- Yeah, yeah. I'm so trying they, to get an they, understanding and in real world, like there's a lot of cool buzzwords that you were saying in there and it, it sounds interesting, but I still am trying to figure out exactly like what they do and how they make money. Yeah, no. So they, they just signed on uh, Coinbase backed all these other wallets. And so they're able to essentially put them onto their platform and like the, the Coinbase card that Coinbase is releasing that they've, I think they already have released. So that works. That's a part of Marquette's platform. And so bullish, that's so freaking, I just have to jump in for a second and just say how bullish that is. Like if you think there's 70 million people on Coinbase and like, so like I have uh, a buddy who's been like, like one of my like good friends from high school has been investing in crypto for like years, just like dollar cost averaging. And he's like, it's actually like my coach from cross country. He like goes to the grocery store when Bitcoin is ripping to buy groceries off his Coinbase card. So it's like, it's, that is going to be a thing, right? Like if you see like, you know, inflation's continuing and you see that people want like a deflationary mechanism, it's like people will be flocking more and more towards using a Coinbase wallet because you can also have cash in there, right? Like if you want to like switch between cash and crypto, and I think people will be doing that more and more synonymous, like just more and more daily, then that's super bullish for MQ. And then I also like the fact that Square is very into like Web3 and crypto. And obviously Square is massive. We've talked about it a hundred times in the payment ecosystem. And they are like, people had concerns because MQ is so involved in Square. It's like, yeah, like I'm concerned that it's involved in one of the biggest companies in the world for payment processing. That's like the eighth biggest app in the world. I don't get, can you touch on that, Riley? I'm yeah, gonna, it's like, that, that was my biggest thing too. I'm glad you brought that up, Tony. Cause I think it was like, it wasn't it like 70% or so of the revenue is coming from Square. And so I know that that pulls red flags for a lot of investors where it's like, okay, God forbid, if they lost that customer, that's the bulk of their revenue, right? So is that fear? You just mentioned Coinbase. Is I, so they I are getting it. new customers, but talk to that a bit for sure. Yeah. So they, right now, Square accounts for 70% of Marquetta's revenue, which is fairly high. But the way that I look at it is imagine having a Messi or having a LeBron James on your squad for the next three years, because they are signed through 2024, not to mention they own 1.1 million warrants, which are at a milestone. It goes on a milestone. So, you know, as they go through the contract, then they are awarded more warrants. And so we can assume that if they do get renewed even further than 2024, there's going to be more warrants, which I'm fine with. And when you keep someone like that, you know, your your business is going to run perfectly fine. Not to mention they also have, uh, so they do profit sharing. And so the higher the transaction volume that a, a client brings, mm-hmm. so, you know, Square, for example, or a firm, for example, you know, if they have a high transaction volume that's being passed through Marketa's platform, then they, you know, they get more of the profit sharing. So it entices these bigger clients to stay on instead of, you know, just, you know, whatever it is, everyone has the same fee structure, whatever it is, lower clients, you know, they, they are, uh, you know, paying Marketa the same amount that Square is. Mm-hmm. That's not how it works. So it, they're able to keep Square on, and not to mention they do. They had a uh, Afterpay as a client, and now you know Square acquired them. So now they even get more. That that uh, concentration will probably rise a little bit, maybe on that, depending on how a firm does as well. But you know, having those two together, 
that's a, that's a pretty big juggernaut that you're going to have as a client, which, you know, I'd rather have a large client than have, you know, a bunch of small ones that are yeah. not even at the size of square. So I'm, I'm fine why with why it. Why does square just buy them? Right? Square is just going to buy them. Like, I mean, square bought they, Afterpay. But they, they could, but are you, are, uh, you got to see what happens after this Afterpay, you know, acquisition closes. It's a $30 billion acquisition. They're a $120 billion company. You've got to be able to digest that first before you even think about acquiring. Yeah, I mean, in time, but I think that like, it makes sense, right? Like if you think that they have the contract till whenever they have it, right? Like mm-hmm. somewhere along the lines of the next couple of years, when Square is a $500 billion company, buying marketa for 30 billion is like nothing they they could they could but at the same time you're also pulling a sofi galileo type thing where you acquire someone who potentially is you know that's going to be a bunch of your competitors and so it can essentially you know people are going to leave marketa if they acquire square acquires them so you're looking at a at a way where you can instead you do a very very uh, favorable deal with marketa and that means that they're going to be the middle partner and you don't need to acquire them and you essentially are going to pay lower fees. So there's no need for them to even acquire Marketa. And yeah, if you wanted to try and, you know, hurt your, uh, your competitors by buying Marketa and then, you know, cutting them off, you can no longer use Marketa. That'd be, you know, it'd be one move, but I don't think that they, that that would even happen. But, you know, I just don't, I, I like them as a middleman in everything. And that was the reason why I don't really like SoFi as much is because they bought Galileo and Galileo has a bunch of clients that are now, you know, direct competitors with their owner. And so I don't, I don't like yeah, but, that as, but, I mean, you, know, you should think about it like this, Riley, in my opinion, like I think Galileo is the only reason why SoFi is interesting because like they have like a much better technology, like that's the technology that a ton of people use. Right. So like if a ton of people will start using Marketa, people like to cut out the middleman. That's why web three and DeFi and crypto is so big because there's no middleman. Like I'm the bank and I'm the yeah. user. So like, I think that, you know, over time we'll just see like monopolies form. So like, I, I think we we're both going to be right. I just want to see like, Oh I'll, yeah. No, I mean, I, it, it could have, I, I, I right. they either acquire them or they don't. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> but, but at the same time, Marketa, you know, to, to a lot of these other companies is kind of like what Square is to the small businesses. You know, they kind of cater to these larger businesses and they're the back end. So, you know, if, if somehow Marketa went down, a lot of these fintech companies would go down because they, they require Marketa's platform. They need to use Marketa's platform and they are the best in the class. Like you, you, if you're going to try and, you know, issue a card, whatever it is that Marketa offers, you're going to go to them first. You go to them first. And then if they somehow can't provide what you need, then you go to the other players. They're, they're not that person in the, in this space. So you go to them first. Who, who do they compete with? Like sometimes that helps me understand a little bit more of that space they play in. Right. Like, do you, do they have current competitors and then, uh, yes, once you touch so on they, that, touch they on do have... too. I want to know how they, they, you know, the different forms in which they make money. Yes. Yeah, so they, they do have a decent amount of competitors. A lot of them are more bigger. So you have global payments, uh, Viserve and VIS, which, you know, these are essentially, they're legacy tech platforms that are kind of, they do everything. They're kind of like a Galileo where they have all this stuff, but, you know, Marketa is faster than these. And so they're a little bit more innovative on that end. And they're, they're obviously not as old as them, but they have a better platform. And then you also have like Aiden and Stripe, which, you know, these are also pretty big fintechs. And so Marketa has a longer track record with card issuing than both of these businesses. So they kind of, the people who want to do the card issuing, you know, they're going to go to the best platform, like I just said before. And so they, they will go to Marketa first. If Marketa can't offer what they need, then they can go to Aiden. 
And so one of the things too that I like about Marquetta is they've never bought a company in their entire lifespan over the 10 years, 11 years. They never bought a company, but they do have now $1.2, $1.3 billion, I believe, I think up to $1.5 billion in cash. And they do, after the IPO, they have said that they are looking at acquiring a company and so they can expand out more solutions. And so they can kind of look like more of an Aiden or a Stripe. So, you know, it's very interesting to kind of see where they can go with that. But I mean, they do have a lot of different ways to make money, you know, so they make money from interchange fees, which is you know generated by these processing payment transactions on the platform. And they also make money on ATM fees, fraud monitoring, tokenization services, monthly platform access. So, you know, they do have a lot of different revenue streams that they have already, but, you know, being able to have that cash on hand to be able to go out and, you know, add to the revenue stream, essentially get new legs. Like Tony said, you need to be able to have more than just, you know, one or two legs. You need to be able to have those six legs where, you know, if one of them falls, two of them falls, you're going to be fine. And I think that that's where they're kind of heading. All right. So I'm just thinking of this. You always say, if I was the CEO, I'd run the company like this. So you're the CEO of Marketa for today. Like, is there any companies that you're targeting or what kind of initiatives would you take a look at here in the coming months and, and years ahead? Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, that's a tough one because, you know, they, they do have $1.5 billion in cash. And I think that they do have a lot, of, they have fairly good organic growth. Now, I think that if they can kind of build out a little bit more of the solutions and take, you know, I wouldn't want to do one acquisition. I'd want to do, you know, three or four different ones that are in different, uh, you know, areas of the fintech space where, you know, you, I want them to be very strategic because I want them to stay as the middleman. I don't want them to end up, you know, trying to be a bank when they shouldn't try and be a bank when most of their clients are, you know, a bank. So, you know, if they can just kind of add, you know, a small little company, 100 million, 200 million there, and it just, you know, they could essentially then sell, cross sell, to their already current clients, then, you know, it, it allows them to, you know, get the, get the growth back up to where they probably should be over hundred percent. I think that they're, they're kind of dropping off a little bit in the, in the growth, you know, it's also the seasonality. So, you know, you have, they did hundred percent revenue growth last year, and I think they're pushing towards 70% this year, which, you know, it's still very, very good. And so I could kind of touch a little bit on the, the numbers here. So from quarter one, 2020 to quarter one, 2021, so they did 48 million versus 108 million, which is fairly good growth. Cost of revenue was 30 million and now it's 58 million. So, you know, around the same uh, gross profit, 18 million versus 50 million. So that's a big increase. And the gross margins went from 38% to 46%, which is a fairly, fairly large increase. And then the net loss was 14 million versus 13 million. So net loss is going lower and EPS negative. 12 cents to now negative 10 cents. So, you know, it's very, t it's, it's going in a good direction and I'm, I'm very impressed with what they're doing. And I think that we're going to be able to see that, you know, a firm, which everyone knows now, you know, it, it's a client and it's a key client that, that uh, Marquetta has, and they just signed them in the past quarter to 2024, I believe up to January, 2024. And so, you know, all these clients that a firm is going to get is going to be able to go through the Marquetta platform. And so as these clients, you know, that they have experienced even faster growth, it also allows Marketa to grow even faster as well. So it kind of just depends on how their, their clients do. And so if Square continues to be what Square is, then, you know, Marketa's revenue growth is going to continue to increase because their competitors are also, or their clients are also, you know, growing at that pace. So, you know, as the fintech industry continues to accelerate, as everyone pretty much knows at this point, fintech's very, very hot right now, you know, 
Marquette is going to be able to, to be that pick and axe in this entire industry, whether it be buy now, pay later, or, you know, anything, even in the gig economy, when, when all these companies are, you know, looking towards, you know, potentially giving their employees a car, whatever it is, whether it be the independent contractors, whoever it is, you know, they're going to be able to build these new legs out depending on where the future goes. And as we saw with the, with the Coinbase news and the crypto news, like they can build a new leg pretty, very quickly. Like they, they can do it, whether it be crypto or, you know, any, any, any single field in the fintech industry, they're going to be able to go in there and help everyone out. Have you heard uh, of High Note? High Note looks no, like I they're going to be jumping in here as a competitor. I just popped them up. They just did a 54 million series A round, former PayPal executives. They're coming after Marketo, apparently, or Marketa. So the former COO of PayPal, current president of commerce and payments at Google, CEO of upgrades on their board. So there's something to take a look at, XGM of PayPal as well. So that's something, as you mentioned, like fintech is definitely one of the hottest spaces at, at all. And, you know, with Tony's love for crypto in that space, like more and more popping up within that DeFi and crypto world as well. So that'll be exciting to keep an eye on here. And, and I know that MQ to kind of round the bases, they have, you know, what's their ties into crypto? I know you mentioned that they're, they're starting to get into that a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you also, you, so they work with Coinbase, like I said before, you know, so they have the, they have the tie in with, you know, a lot of these larger crypto companies. And so when they want to issue, you know, rewards, whether it be, you know, with, money or even crypto, you know, they could, you know, a little bit of Bitcoin on a cashback type of thing, you know, it goes onto that card that this person's using. And so Marketa issues this card that is tied with, you know, Coinbase or a backed, whatever the, the crypto company is, you know, and so as these companies, you know, continue to get the, get the clients, get the customers. And I believe I saw that the U S like up to 60 something percent, uh, people in the U S now hold crypto and, and, or I think it was 14% of the U S hold crypto and 60% of the people in the US want these rewards. And so it's a very, very large amount of people that want these, these cards and stuff like that, that Marketa can offer. And so it kind of adds, you know, a little bit more of the, the growth that I think that we're kind of seeing on a lot of these things like buy now, pay later. So I think that you're going to see these legs that Marketa is building, you know, they're going to experience the hundred percent, 200%, 300% revenue growth in just that, that single leg. And just yeah. for an example, a lot of people love buy now, pay later. So Marketa essentially year over year did 350% revenue growth on just buy now, pay later. And that's not even including what this next quarter is going to look like after a firm, you know, gained all these different clients, Amazon, all that, all the, all the fun big companies that, you know, everyone's hearing about, like that was not even into the, into the revenue growth that we saw. So, you know, you're going to be able to see in this next quarter, how well, you know, Marquette is actually handling these platforms and how the growth is going to look like, you know, going forward the next, you know, 12 to 24 months. And one of the things I kind of want to touch on is like the, the clients that they have, not just in the crypto, not just at Square. So they have DoorDash, they have Uber, they have a firm, like we said, they have Afterpay, they have JP Morgan, they have MasterCard's Buy Now, Pay Later, they have Google, they have Klarna. I don't know. I always mess that up. And then they also have Instacart. <laughs> yeah. Then they, then they have Instacart. So, you know, they're, they're gaining these companies that are massive. Instacart's yeah. not going anywhere. Uber's not going anywhere. DoorDash is going nowhere, you know, or it's not going anywhere. Yeah. All these Instacart massive companies. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And Instacart, I mean, everyone kind of, I think in, in 10, 15, 20 years, 
no one's really even going to want to go to the grocery store. They're probably not even going to, they're just going to be warehouses like a Sam's club where yeah, you, know, you just click whatever you want and then, and then it gets delivered. And so, you know, Marquette is going to plat or it's going to be the platform that, you know, after or Instacart, you know, runs on. And so you're going to be able to see all these other companies too. They're going to be able to gain new ones every single year, every single quarter, even that are going to just be in these different little industries like e-commerce, e you know, all these different huge industries that are going to come around, you know, they're going to be the backbone of these industries because without the payments, then you're going to have no commerce. Mm -hmm. As simple as that. And so being the backbone of the commerce, it's very important. It's kind of like a Cloudflare, you know, a little bit towards the internet side, but at this point, it's just commerce that Marketa is the backbone of. So that's why I'm very, very bullish on, on them. As you know, you, you could call them a pick and ax, but at the same time, like, Without them, like, do you really call uh, Cloudflare uh, pick an axe? Probably not. You just, they, they basically are the internet at this point. They run the internet. Without them, we saw what happened. Really and you're, you're saying pick an axe. It's uh, pick and shovels, my friend. <laughs> yeah. Okay. My Rise bad. Pick, pick and shovel. Island. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> this is the axe murderer. <laughs> yeah, no, this, is, this is definitely interesting. And you mentioned that just to kind of get a, a few people to perk their heads up. And that's been absolutely on fire. So Huge shout out to Rahul who, who kind of continued to pound the table after Tony. Would you hit that at initially like 30 or something ridiculous? Yeah, I think so. so. When, the, when the internet went down because of them, it, I think they were like 30, 35. So after, if you were to bought when the internet crashed because of them, then you'd be a very wealthy person. I, I first bought it at 19 and I dumped it as soon as the first earnings exploded it. And then it just like never looked back. Yeah, new all time highs every single I, like, I got back in in the 30s and then I was like selling in the 60s and 70s and now it's 100 points higher but like obviously it's overvalued but I mean I, I it's, great things can stay overvalued software is trading at like 50 to 75 times sales so Speaking of software, Tony, let's kick this over to earnings week. It's really the Super Bowl of earnings week this week. Kick starting off with uh, Facebook here on Monday. On Tuesday, after the close, we got AMD, Microsoft, Google, Visa, Twitter, Robinhood, QuantumScape. On Wednesday in the morning, we got Boeing, Coca-Cola, GM, McDonald's. So boomers, wake up. That is your morning for you guys. We also have Spotify in the morning. And then at the close, we got Ford, Teladoc, Twilio, ServiceNow, Upwork, and eBay. Thursday, before the open, we got Shopify, MasterCard, Caterpillar, Merck, obviously with the uh, COVID news here, AB InBev, Comcast, SiriusXM. And then after the close, we got the beast with Apple, Amazon, Starbucks, Western Digital, Atlassian. And then Friday, we got more boomer stocks. We got ExxonMobil, Chevron, Phillips 66. And then if you're trying to take a cruise, Tony, Royal Caribbean Group will also be after uh, or excuse me, before the bell there on Friday. Yeah. So what are you looking at? We got all the things here. We got some big names as well. But what what, what are you specifically excited yeah, about? Looking at uh, the fangs and then like some beasts like Shopify coming out this week. Like I, I'm really interested that Shopify added NFTs to their marketplace. So I want to see how that like, you know, how people react to that once they start like showing guidance and like what they're thinking about doing for that. That's definitely, you know, my focus on crypto now. So that's going to be interesting to watch. With that Netflix, you know, destruction that we kind of saw there, like, obviously there was a, a mixed earnings, but they have some exciting things coming up with the game. Like, do you think this is going to affect the rest of the fangs or, or how will that impact everything? Yeah, I, I don't really think Netflix is like a really great, I mean, sure, because like Netflix is based on like, like you know, it's a lot of it's like ads, right? Like, like you saw like Facebook's been getting crushed and like Snapchat got crushed. And so like people are, I think they're like, they're, 
overselling, you know, stuff that I think that it's going to come back like pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so like, I'm more excited. I'm more interested in seeing what the big fangs do because like they do drive the market. Like if Apple's down 20, like we'll be down a lot. <laughs> like the S and P will be down a ton. And mm-hmm. if like Google's down 200 and Amazon's down, like whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like those are the big ones that are making up the majority of the market. So those are the ones to watch more importantly than anything, right? Like if all things are good, then it's blast off, you know? So we'll see. I think we're also at like a very high SPX level. So definitely honestly thinking this week determines where we go for like the rest of the year. Like if the big things are good, like I wouldn't be surprised. Like, you know, we might go to 5,000 SPX. If the big things are bad, like we might base for a little bit, which would be healthy. Like we've been running a lot. So mm-hmm. And it's really interesting, right? We got Facebook on Monday and then, you know, Google and, and Microsoft earlier in the week. Like for those of you, you know, that are newer and myself, this is a question why I brought it up. Like how much will that impact, you know, let's say Facebook and, and Microsoft kind of crash. Is that going to impact, even if Apple and Amazon have phenomenal, you know, earnings, those days in between, is that going to just like bring those others down as well? Yeah. I mean, like it'll, it'll definitely, like those all move together. Like things like if Facebook rips, Google rips, even if it doesn't report. And I'm not saying like on earnings, I'm saying like, the re- like, let's say Facebook has great earnings. Google will rock it after hours and like the things will as well. And like anything with ads will rip again and stuff. So it's just kind of like how that works. Like if Amazon rips Shopify, what would they like the same like earnings week, but like, that's the point, right? The companies that do similar things and they're like, you know, good, similar size and like strong backings will run together. Like Amazon rips, Shopify and Mealy will mm-hmm. rip, like Shopify rips, Amazon and Mealy will rip. So it's like everything kind of works together because it's just indicative of trends. Like, you know, the companies are good enough already. You don't need to be like super like, oh, what? like, I don't know. People do too much DD, man. Like, <laughs> it like, is crazy. Like Finto, when we first like started this, I remember it was like you smarter trader online like the ogs of the game and now every single person and which is amazing like i love it that you go on twitter now for you can really dig in and people have good dd it's you know like the the microcosm where we saw the ape with the bananas last week you know on wall street that was just like that moment was really i think historical because it's like listen mfers like we we are here we are live and and retail is starting to play a role here can't run can't hide if you're not in crypto you're not gonna make it (laughs) <laughs> Tony, you've been aping into uh, to crypto. So I know we're going to start touching on that a little bit more next week. But as we wrap things up, we got this crazy week ahead. Any any last thoughts here as, as people enter into the, the upcoming yeah. thing week? If you're playing earnings, I'd play sympathy plays over straight earnings. Like it just does not seem like great RR here. I mean, like premiums for things are really high. Like maybe you'll get a double, maybe you'll get a triple, but like at what cost, you know, like if you hit five earnings, you'll probably miss half and then you break even. So like, if you're playing, like, if you want to play like Facebook earnings, you could play like, you know, a similar ad user company kind of situation. If you want to play Amazon, you could just like play Neely or Shopify. Like mm-hmm. those, those are kind of things that like, I always think about for earnings. It's like every time Facebook rips, Google rips. So like if Facebook's like if Google is reporting and Facebook reports and it's down, like I'd buy Facebook, I, I will be looking at Facebook just yeah. because like, you know, the, it's already gone down and Google could make it go back up. Right. Cause like, even if Facebook has like company specific bad news or company specific good news, and then Google does the opposite, it'll like move more that way too. So be interesting to watch that. I would just say stay fluid guys. Cause like this, I, I think it's going to be a big week. Like every world series of earnings is a big week. So dip your toes in the don't dive head first take a look around so you can keep pounding the table drip on a honey i say less that's me 
Y'all on level one, I'm level three. Pounding on the table for my team. Every night I flex, I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. I'm making big moves. That's a big move. Big money, big moves. That's a big move. Yeah. Make a play, don't talk about it. Master P, I'm about it, about it. This one here for all that try to count me out and they still counting. Honestly, I never doubt it. Say the top is never crowded. Well, I'm trying to climb the mountain till I need a few accountants. Stock is rising, perfect timing. I'm in prickle with the tribe. Charlie sliding, she wants sushi, she wants eel sauce for the rice. I just peel off with the light, took her heels off for the ride. Don't say real talk, just a lie. I'm a real one, I provide, yeah. Drip on a hundred.